Thank you, Brother Jeff, for leading us in our song service this evening. Uh, you folks are fortunate. Uh, you got all these great song leaders here, and I don't know how much it costs to get any of them down to Georgia, but uh, I'd be willing to chip in some on that. I tell you, these guys do a great job, and we thank them very much. The singing uh, has just been tremendous. It's encouraging. Uh, it lifts us up. Uh, it edifies us. It's just a marvelous opportunity for us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter said, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, but grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And certainly uh, the beautiful singing that you have engaged in every service of this meeting uh, is of that nature. So I want to thank you so much. Uh, again, I express my appreciation to the congregation here for this invitation. Uh, I've always said I'll preach at the drop of the hat, and I'll drop the hat. And I'm thankful that uh, you have given me this opportunity, and I'm thoroughly enjoying. Ladies, I will tell you, the food, uh, chocolate pies, everything, I mean, it's great. Uh, and I, I really want you to know uh, that I appreciate the efforts that you have put forth, enjoy the fellowship. Uh, being able to sit and, and discuss the work of the Lord and other activities. And so what a joy it is, and I want you to know that I appreciate it very, very much. Uh, again, as I look out over the assembly and I greet you folks as you come in, um, several congregations in Warren County, and I want you to know how much I appreciate your encouragement by your presence. Uh, it's just so uplifting to this congregation and to me. Uh, to have you here and to have you a part of this gospel meeting, and uh, what a joy it is. You know, uh, when you think about opportunities in preaching the gospel, uh, I am grateful for that. I, I appreciate those of you who have mentioned uh, that you watch our uh, television program on GBN, uh, the Fountain of Life. It comes on at 11 o'clock every day, Monday through Friday, and I think on uh, Saturday at 2.30 in the afternoon. Uh, but thank you very much for watching our program. Uh, we have approximately, I think maybe right now, about 300 uh, individuals who are taking our Bible correspondence course. I had a call not long ago, I guess maybe uh, four or five months ago. I got a call from uh, a person out in California, Rialto, Rialto, California, a fellow by the name of Jared Roche. And he called me and he said, uh, I had gotten the first lesson, the Bible correspondence course. I filled it out. He sent it back to us. Uh, we had sent him the second lesson, and he had watched another program, uh, and he said, I want to be baptized into Christ. Uh, I located a congregation uh, in California near his uh, home, uh, got him in contact with them, and they are still uh, faithful servants of God. He and his wife, uh, I'll never forget that Sunday afternoon, there's a three-hour time frame, uh, and he called me on Sunday afternoon, and he said, Brother Acuff, just want you to know, uh, that my wife and I were baptized into Christ today. You, those of you who support Gospel Broadcasting Network, thank you very much. You are a part of that baptism. I got a call today, my secretary called this morning, uh, and she said, uh, Larry, I want to give you a name, a phone number, and an address. Uh, in the correspondence course, I got back, just opened it this morning, uh, a lady in Dunlap, Tennessee. Uh, indicated on her lesson that she wanted to be baptized into Christ. I've been trying to reach her all day, and I, if I'm not able to, I'll get in touch with uh, Brother Freddie Clayton or someone there in Dunlap. But having the opportunity, people obey the gospel as a result of hearing the message of the Bible. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. 
The Bible says the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible teaches us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, Paul said, The things that thou hast learned of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou unto faithful brethren, that they may be able to teach others also. In Colossians 1 and verse number 23, Paul said, The gospel has been preached to every creature. And that was the command that our Lord Jesus Christ gave in Matthew 28. He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And that's what we are endeavoring to do in this gospel meeting. It is our goal, our prayer, our desire to take the message of the Bible and to plant it into the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, and motivate them to obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to thank you for the encouragement that you give. You know, preachers always want to say the right thing. I mean, you, you just uh, you can get embarrassed sometimes. You say the wrong thing. And I thought about this fellow had a business. And man, he had been very successful with his business, so much so that he moved to a new location. And one of his clients, uh, on the opening day in his new location, sent him a, a spray or bouquet of flowers. And, uh, boy, he said, I, I appreciate that. When he looked at the card, it said, rest in peace. Well, <laughs> the next day, uh, he called the fellow who had sent him, and, and he said, I, I really want you to know how much I appreciate the flowers. And he told him, he said, you know, the card said, rest in peace. Well, that guy had kind of got upset, and he called the florist. And he said, uh, he said, man, uh, I, this guy opened his business, sent him a spray of flowers, and and it had rest in in peace, and and it just, and the and the florist said, sir, you think you're upset? He said, somewhere today there's a funeral service with a spray of flowers, and there's a card on that that says, congratulations on your new location. And so, uh, <laughs> you you know, you want to make sure uh, that you get it right, and that's what we are endeavoring to do. In the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 4, Paul said, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. In John chapter number 14, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not where thou goest. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In John chapter number 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine, my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. He said, without me you can do nothing. But he said, if a man does not abide in me, and if my words do not abide in him, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. 
In Matthew chapter number 7 and verse number 15, our Lord Jesus Christ said, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. In the book of Second Peter chapter number 2, Peter said, There were false prophets among the people, even as there shall also be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord which bought them, and shall bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. In Revelation chapter 20, John said, I saw a great white throne, and him that sat upon it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged as the things that were written in the books according to their works. In Acts 17, 30 and 31, the Bible says, At the time of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. For He hath appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom He hath ordained and given assurance unto all men in that He hath raised Him from the dead. It is essential tonight that you and I look at the Holy Word of God and remember that the day will come and the day of judgment and the book will be open and you and I will be judged by the things that are written in this book. The Bible tells us, Not every man that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he which doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will come to me in that day. And they'll say, Lord, did we not prophesy in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils? And in thy name do many wonderful works? And he will say unto them, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. What he is simply saying, I did not recognize what you did. You did not do what the Holy Word of God taught. And so, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, you and I must recognize that it is the Word of God that every man will be judged by the things that are written in the book. We will not be judged by the opinions and doctrines of men. There will not be a whole list of books of various synods and councils that will say, well, I'm going to judge each one of you by all of this. You and I will stand before God and this book will be open. And the Bible says every idle word that men shall speak, he shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. In Revelation 22, 18 and 19, many of you are familiar with this, and the Bible encourages us that if a man adds to the words of the prophecy of this book, God shall add in him the plagues that are written therein. If any man shall take away from the words of the prophecy of this book, God will take his part out of the book of life. Tonight, the danger of assuming in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 15, there's three passages of Scripture uh, in the book First and Second Samuel. 1 Samuel 15, 1 Samuel chapter 13, and 2 Samuel chapter 6. That, uh, if you and I look at all three in, in the course of this lesson, when we look at the danger of assuming, all three of these will come into play. In 1 Samuel chapter number 15, God was displeased with Saul. God gave him a command. I want you to utterly destroy the Amalekites. Now, my friend, listen. When God tells us what to do, He makes it clear enough and plain enough 
that you and I can understand what God wants us to do. I mean, it is not, my friend, in some vague language that man cannot understand. God said, Saul, I want you to go utterly destroy the Amalekites. Now, I don't have time tonight, but if I did, I'd give you a survey of the Old Testament uh, and the Amalekites. As a matter of fact, you can go all the way back to the day of Moses. And if you'll remember when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, that the Amalekites, what they would do is they would lie in the background and they would attack the children of Israel from the back where the weak and the poor and the lame were. They represent every evil thing that you can imagine. God said, I want you to utterly destroy the Amalekites. Saul goes to destroy the Amalekites. And when he comes back, and here is one of the interesting things about that passage. Saul was, I mean, convinced in his own mind. Now watch this. My friend, listen, you and I can be convinced in our own mind that something is right. And it can be wrong. You and I can convince ourselves. And there are, I mean, you know what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2? For this cause, listen to this, for this cause God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie and be damned because they believe not the truth. How's that work? Here's a, a, a precious lady, a member of the body of Christ, faithful in the kingdom of God, and she has a husband who is not a member of the church. He is not a Christian. And so what does she do? She encourages him to go with her some Sunday uh, to uh, worship with her in the church. And so finally after, and she doesn't nag, she just prays and encourages him. Finally she said, why don't you go with me? And he, he says, well, okay, I think I'll go today. He shows up with her. Lo and behold, Brother Tony preaches on giving. I knew it. That's all the church down there just wants your money. That's all they're trying to do. He preaches on giving. Well, he gets upset. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I want your money. So he doesn't go anymore for about, and maybe two years go by. And so finally, she she keeps encouraging, and he finally says, you know what? I think I'll go with you today. Lo and behold, he goes, and guess what? It's been two years since Tony preached on giving, but it was that Sunday. Now he leaves and he is convinced that all the preacher's looking for is his money. Now y'all all know that we get 50% of whatever the contribution is every week. <laughs> I heard one preacher, that's what the congregation, they agreed to pay him. They agreed to pay him 50% of whatever the contribution was. Well, it so happened it was only about $100 a week. Well, when it got up to 500 they said, we got to renegotiate our contract. But now, at any rate, so he hears this sermon on giving. And he says, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. And so one Saturday afternoon, his wife is gone and, and she's out shopping and somebody knocks on the door and he goes to the door and there are two fellows standing there with books in their hand and they come in and they begin to talk to him uh, about quotation marks religion and they convert him to a false doctrine. For this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion and he believes a lie and he's damned because he will not believe the truth. You and I must recognize you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. 
And so when you and I look in 1 Samuel 15, we see that Saul was convinced in his own mind. He, he stated to Samuel, he said, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. No, you didn't. God said, utterly destroy the Amalekites. Well, I've done that. Well, then Samuel says, what does this mean? Uh, the, the, the bleeding of the sheep and the loin of the oxen. Oh, oh, the people brought the, uh, the sacrifice. You remember what Samuel said, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken the fat of rams. Because thou hast rejected the voice of the Lord, He has rejected you from being king. Now, there are four things. The danger of assuming. There are four things that are dangerous when you begin to... See, we assume certain things. Have you, have you, ever, driven, have you ever driven down uh, the road and there's a car on the side of the road? Uh, and it appears that maybe there's something wrong and, and the natural assumption is that there's something wrong with the automobile uh, or there's a problem there and you may or may not stop, but the point is you make an assumption without knowing what the situation is. There have been those who have uh, stopped on, I mean, they, they've stopped to help someone on the side of the road only to be attacked. And so when you and I, I, I really appreciate uh, these men who are policemen and sheriff's deputies and the sheriffs and, and the highway patrol, I appreciate these men. In uh, Villarica, Georgia, just a few years ago, one of the uh, officers stopped a fellow on the Interstate 20 and he went up to the car and the fellow shot him just without question. He just pulled out a gun and shot him. And so you and I pass an individual on the side of the road and we naturally assume that maybe there's a problem or we naturally assume, hey, that's dangerous. I'm not going to pick that individual up. And what do we do? We make a decision without knowing what the facts are. Now, I'm not being critical of what your choice is. But when you and I look at assumptions, there are four assumptions that I want you to think about tonight. Number one is this. And that is the danger of assuming that because God doesn't mention something in the Bible or because He is silent on it, that He approves it. See, we have the idea, well, well, now, Brother Acuff, the Bible doesn't say you can't use drugs. <laughs> no. Uh, you can turn to the book of Galatians 5, 19, and the Bible says, The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, strife, emulation, sedition, uh, murders, drunkenness, so forth, such like. And not a single one of them specifically says, uh, Thou shalt not use some kind of drug or sub substance. And so somebody said, Well, you know what the Bible doesn't say? Now, I, I realize that's kind of an exaggerated illustration. But then when you and I began to look at life and we began to look at religion, many folks come along and they will say, Well, uh, God did not specifically say you cannot do that. Well, let's look at Leviticus that you're familiar with. You remember in Leviticus chapter 10 and verse number 1, the Bible tells us that these two boys, by the name of Nadab and Abihu, you're familiar with that, 
The Bible says that Nadab and Abihu offered strange fire before the Lord. What did they do? Well, they're going to offer a sacrifice, and they took fire, and they put it in their censer, and therefore the Bible says offered strange fire, and fire came down from heaven and consumed them, destroyed them. Sometimes if you want to do an interesting study, take the word fire and follow it through the Bible. For example, you go to Numbers chapter number 16. Do you remember there when uh, uh, Korah and the Bible, when, when they rebelled against the leadership of Moses? And you remember it had an earthquake. Now, some of them went, uh, fell into the, the, to the earth. 250 priests that had been following them were consumed by fire. The Bible says that God uh, uses fire. He, he, I mean, the, you think about the flaming sword. You think about fire. You think about the burning bush. And so when you and I look at this, and uh, God had given the instructions, here's what God said to Nadab and Abihu. When you offer the sacrifice, you put fire on the altar. I can just imagine. Here are these two old boys. They're chatting around. They said, you know what? I wonder, I wonder what happened if we... i tell you what let's do today. And when we offer our sacrifice, uh, let, uh, let's put fire in our censer and see what happens. They found out. See, God didn't say, now, don't put fire in your censer. Don't start a fire over here on the other side of the altar. Don't start a fire out here. Don't do it this way. Don't do it that He said, you put fire on the altar. We understand that. And so as a result of that, folks have come to this conclusion. They'll say, now, Brother Acuff, the Bible does not say that you cannot pour, or the Bible doesn't say you cannot sprinkle someone or to be saved. No, uh, I've read the Scriptures. And I read 1 Peter 3.21. The Bible says, The like figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us, and not to put away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward our Father. I've read in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't say anything about pouring or sprinkling there. So since God didn't say you don't do it or can't... Huh. See, we assume. But God has given us specifically His plan of salvation. And the Bible teaches us that we must hear the Word of God. Romans 10, verse 17, the Bible says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Bible teaches us that I must believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Hebrews 11, verse 6, the Bible says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a reward of them that diligently seek Him. The Bible teaches me to repent of my sins. Luke 13, 3, the Bible says, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. The Bible says in Acts 2 again, in verse 38, Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized. We know that confession is essential. The Bible says, With the heart men believe in the righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The Bible said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, him will I deny also before my Father which is in heaven. And then the Bible teaches us 
that we are to be baptized into Christ, that we are to be immersed in water. In Romans chapter number 6, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that the old man has been crucified with Him. Now that's plain, my friend. But see, some have come along and said, well, the Bible says, uh, the Bible says you don't, the Bible doesn't say anywhere that you don't have, thou shalt be saved without baptism. Hmm. See, the Bible doesn't say I can't. For an example, they say, what about Acts chapter 16? When the uh, jailer came in, fell to the feet of the apostle, or uh, Paul and Silas, and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so see, this idea, well, God didn't say you can't pour, pour or sprinkle. Now, heard about a little boy. Went to church with his daddy one morning. His daddy was a preacher. This was about 50, 60, 70, well, probably 100 years ago. And they didn't, they, they, they were in a, in a, uh, in a, a wagon. And his dad driving home this wagon and he, he runs over a, a goose and kills it. And he said to his son, said, son, uh, you go bury that goose. And so the son got out of the wagon, went and buried the goose, goes on home. About two or three days later, dad's riding out there and, and he looks out there and there is a goose laying out there, and he had some dirt sprinkled on it. And he called his son. He said, I thought I told you to bury that goose. He said, I buried that goose like you said Sunday morning in your sermon. I sprinkled it. You and I know what baptism is. The Bible doesn't have to say, well, thou shalt not pour. Watch this. In the book of Colossians chapter 3, the Bible says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of the throne of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Your life is hid with God in Christ. When Christ who is your life shall appear, then shall you appear with Him in glory. Now look what the Bible says. The Bible says, If you then be risen with Christ. I want to ask you a question. How can an individual be risen with Christ if they've never been buried with Him? In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12, the Bible says we are buried with Him by baptism. And so if you're going to be... Somebody... I had a Bible study with a fellow several weeks. His name is Bruce Campbell. Bruce wouldn't mind me missing his name. Very fine gentleman. Just showed up. All of a sudden, one Sunday morning, we're having Bible class, and, and he just walks in and uh, is in the Bible class. And after the Bible class is over, I get acquainted with him. And uh, then uh, after the worship assembly, I said, Bruce, uh, what brought you? He said, well, I'm just driving around, and I saw the church building here, and I thought, well, I'm just going to come and see what they're doing in there. So he came. We had a Bible study. And one night, as we were studying the Bible... I was using the uh, Jewel Miller videos. That's, I've used that for about 450 years, and so I uh, found them very successful. And we'd be using the videos, and we'd studied number three about the his or about the church, uh, the Christian age, and, and it talks about salvation. And Bruce, uh, we began to talk about baptism, 
And he said, well, you know what? I, I was baptized one time. I said, let me ask you a question. Did you make a confession? He said, yes, I did. I said, tell me, what was the confession that you made? Well, he said, I confess that I believe that God, for Christ's sake, had pardoned me from my sin." I said, Bruce, take your Bible. Let's turn over to the book of uh, Acts in the 8th chapter of the book of Acts. And I said, let's read there. And I had him read. I said, now look at this. Here Philip joined himself to the chariot. You know this passage. And began the same Scripture, preached unto him Jesus. They went on their way. They came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me to be baptized? And Philip said, do you believe that God for Christ's sake has pardoned you from your sin? No, that's not what he said. I said, Bruce, read that. Now, did you make the same confession that this unit made in Acts chapter number 8? He said, no. I, uh, I just, I said, I believe God for Christ's sake. Pardon. I said, then what you were baptized was, you were baptized not for the remission of your sins. You were baptized because you were already saved. He looked at that and he said, you know what? That's right. We took him the same hour of the night. And baptized him into Christ. See, the Bible didn't say, don't do this. The Bible didn't say, don't do that. The Bible didn't say, don't sprinkle, don't pour. The Bible didn't say, now, here's a list of confessions that you don't make. See, people assume. What about instrumental music? Oh, every member of the body of Jesus Christ has had a discussion with individuals out in the world, and they'll say, they'll say, let me see now, y'all are the church that don't have music, aren't you? I say, no, sir. Huh? Y'all don't have music, do you? I said, yeah, we have music. You do? Yeah, we have music. Well, I didn't know that. Well, you ought to come and see what's going on. Somebody just told you we didn't have music. Well, you and I know what he said. He's saying... You don't have an instrument in your assembly, do you? No. We don't have an instrument. Well, how many times has there been a visitor in this congregation? I'm sure this has happened. I don't know how long the congregation has been here at Bobby Branch, but sometime or another, someone has probably attended the services here and said one of two things. Brother Tony, if y'all don't have the money to buy a pen, I'll give you the money to buy one. Or... Don't y'all have anybody down there that can play one? That's not why there's not one here. Well, the Bible doesn't say you can't have it. The Bible told, God told Saul, here is what I want you to do. We do not have an instrument because the Bible says to sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Sing and make melody in your hearts to the Lord. Or somebody said, well now, Brother, brother, brother Acuff, you, you, you're not very smart. Don't you know that that word solo uh, in Ephesians 5, 19, that, 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 that has to do with your, your pl uh, pluck and, and you know what? If that word means an instrument, the heart is the instrument incidentally. But if that word meant an instrument, guess what? Every one of us would need to play one. Can you imagine that? Man, I'd love... Yeah, yeah. You know, one guy's got a trumpet, one guy's got a guitar, another guy... How many times have you heard this? 
there is, we have a, we have, there, there's some folks in our area and we have been encouraging them and encourage them and encourage them to come. Uh, and, and one of the, one of these ladies, she is a beautiful singer. And she said, I'm going to tell you why I won't come to your church. Because the church I go to lets me get up and sing. And she said, I believe that's my talent, and therefore I'm using my talent in worship to God when I get up and sing. I'm going to tell you something else. There's some lady in this congregation, and I do not know who it is, but there's some lady in this congregation that can make chocolate pies, because I ate part of it tonight. You've got a talent, my friend, whoever you are. You got a talent. You make chocolate pie, and it's good. Now, I want to ask you a question. She got a talent making chocolate pie. So, what are we going to do? You had sixteen trays here Sunday morning to pass the Lord's supper. Are we going to have sixteen trays of chocolate pie? You know, well, that's her talent. Well, you know what? I bet you there's somebody in this congregation. That's not a good phrase. There's somebody in this congregation who probably can whistle really good. Oh, then somebody said, now wait a minute, brother, now, brother Acuff, there are harps in heaven. Well, prove it. Prove that. Prove it in the Scripture. Guess what? According to the Scriptures, there are gold streets in heaven too. So we're going to pay the auditorium with gold? The Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But what many men do, they make a decision. They make an assumption. Because God didn't say, I can't do it, therefore I can do whatever I want to do because the Bible doesn't say I can't. No, sir. The Bible tells me what to do to be saved. The Bible tells me what to do in worship to God. Now let me give you the second one. I'm only on number two and... And it's 9 o'clock already. Number two. The danger of assuming that God doesn't know what He wants, but we do. Uh, read the Bible. We'll go to the book of Second Samuel chapter number 6. And do you remember on that occasion in Second Samuel chapter 6, uh, the Philistines had the ark of God? And so... Uh, <laughs> David said, let's go get the ark. And so, you remember that? They go get the ark, and they get these, uh, this new cart. They make this cart, and they have the oxen. And as it's going across the threshing floor, it kind of wobbles. And Uzzah puts his hand up to stay there. Wham! He's dead. God said, don't touch the ark. Oh, but wait. I, God, you see, God... God doesn't know what He... God, God, oh, I can't afford to let, I can't afford to let the, let the ark fall. Uh, God, God, see, God doesn't know what He wants, and I do. Paul asked the question in the book of Romans, who can be a counselor of God? See, we assume things. <laughs> I thought about the lady who went to the grocery store, and she was checking out in the, in the checkout line, and, and so the clerk told her, said, that'll be X number of dollars, how much it'd be. And, and she's scrambling around in her purse. And, and in trying to find her wallet and her credit card, she, she, ta- she, she laid out this remote, TV remote, on, on, the, uh, on the, the counter there. And, 
And the clerk says, what in the world are you doing with your TV remote? She said, my husband wouldn't come to the store with me, so I took the remote away. (laughs) Now, that probably upset him. But my friend, listen to this. This idea that God God didn't have enough sense to know that what's going to have that ark, so Uzzah had to say, no. God said if you'd carried that ark the way you're supposed to, it wouldn't have done that. I gave you instruction as to how to carry the ark, and you put those rungs, and you put those poles, and you carry it. And watch what happens. You're carrying the ark, and, and somebody saw, but you've got me in there, and, and they're balancing that thing. God knew what He was doing with the ark. God knows what He's doing with our lives. And the assumption is that God doesn't know what's good for me, but I do. Young people, listen to me. You think God doesn't know what's good for you? And you're promiscuous? And you let boys that you know put their hands all over you? And they convince you to engage in a sexual activity that's fornication? God knows that fornication will damage your spirit and it will damage your soul and it will damage your marriage in the future. Oh, God didn't. I know. Well, I know. Oh, brother, because I know how I feel. Yeah. God's going to know how you feel. Y'all have heard this story I know many times. It's not new. It's been around bulletins and preachers have used it 50, 60 years. The teacher went into a classroom of young people And he took two roses in that classroom. And he said to the students, said about 25, 30, gave one of them to the student, or the student, said, I want all you students to take the rose, and I want you to look at it, smell of it, feel the petals, pass it around, every one of you. So they did that. Now, when it came back, you know, it began to be a little bit limp and, and some of the petals had began to fall down. And now he had this rose that had not been passed around. And, and he said to, to one of the young ladies, he said, I want to ask you, come up here a minute. Which one of these roses would you love to have? Oh, she said, I want the one that hasn't been passed around. You see what's going to happen? A young man or a young lady engages in sexual activity before they're married. They engage in sexual activity and they meet a young man or a young lady. You know what happens? They begin to compare. Oh, I had a relationship with so-and-so. It was different. See, we assume, we assume that God doesn't know what He's doing when He says for us to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Number three, the danger of assumption. And that is this. Assuming that God hasn't seen all the way through a situation. See, we assume... See, the premillennialist, they assume that 
Well, poor old God, he didn't have any better sense than to send his son to try to establish his kingdom. And he wasn't able to do it because the Jews thwarted what he was trying to do. And so he just had to set up the church in lieu of the kingdom. And he's going to come back someday and set up the kingdom. That's not right. See, you're assuming something. You're assuming that God did... You remember Jesus said, Upon this rock I'll build my church. See, we then assume that God didn't see all the way down. Go back in the book of Matthew chapter 25, and He uses this phraseology. He said uh, in Matthew 25, He said, To enter the place prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So what do we do? See, we assume God didn't see. We, we assume God didn't know the Jews were going to reject Jesus. See, we, people assume that, well, He just had to set up the church in lieu of the kingdom. Are you relying on the rapture? You know, have you seen the bumper stickers on the car? In case of the rapture, this car will be vacated. <laughs> I saw, read one bumper sticker, and the fellow said, in case of the rapture, this car will swerve a little bit until my mother-in-law takes hold of the steering wheel. Another fellow had on his bumper sticker. He said, in case of the rapture, can I have your car? See, the idea is, well, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to all, we're going to be raptured up. And, and there's going to be a, a period of tribu- seven years of tribulation. And then the Lord's going to bring all of us back down. They'll go to Revelation chapter 20 and they'll say, well, Revelation 20 doesn't say a word about the rapture. Doesn't say a word about any of that. Doesn't say a word about premillennialism. Doesn't say a word about Christ's kingdom established for a thousand years or uh, Satan a thousand years of Christ on the earth. Doesn't say a word about it. See, people assume that God didn't see it through. See, people assume God didn't see the end for a family and for marriage. God knew what was good for me. I had a mother-in-law. I believe she prayed for me. I'm thankful for that. I have a wife that has been that I had a mother-in-law that prepared her as a as a Christian. And how I mean, folks, when we know what God's plan is, God's seen it all the way through. Now, number four, the danger of assuming that you will have a second chance in the day of judgment. Luke chapter 16, 19 through 31. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. A certain beggar named Lazarus, which laid his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Well, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And he seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried, Father Abraham, have mercy upon thee and send Lazarus that he might dip the tip of his finger in water. And coo my tongue, I'm tormented in this flame. Abraham said, Son, rememberest thou in thy lifetime, thou receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from thence to you cannot, neither can they come hence that would come from thence. 
He said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, you'd send him to my father's house. I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they come to this place of torment. And Abraham said, No, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went to them from the dead, they will repent. And the writer says, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Now watch this. The rich man lifted up his eyes being in torment. That is before the judgment. See, folks assume. See, they assume, well, uh, yeah. A loved one is deceased. You and I decease. And we assume, well, uh, it, you know, we're going to, we're going to, I mean, we can put it on the tombstone, my friend, rest in peace. And you and I, we can, we can, I mean, we can put on that tombstone, rest in peace. You and I, see, we can, we can make the assumption, well, I'm going to be out here laying in the grave for a hundred, two hundred, however many years it'll be, and I'm just going to be resting in peace. No more pain, no more sorrow. Everything's going to be good. And then when the Lord comes... I pray that He'll save me. That's not what the Bible teaches. You will make the decision whether you're saved or lost while you're here. Somebody said, well, what about the mercy of God? The mercy of God is extended to you by giving you an opportunity tonight to obey the gospel. Somebody said, well, now, oh, how many of us how many of us have had the idea sometime, have thought in our mind, you know what, I know Brother so and so, I, I know a young lady tonight, she's never obeyed the gospel of Christ, she's up in her 20s. And you, you, can't, you, you come to the conclusion, now what will it take to help that young lady understand she needs to obey the gospel of Christ? What will it take? She went through serious surgery, stayed in a coma for nearly 10 days. They thought she was going to die. She came out of it, recovered, and yet to this day has not obeyed the gospel. Another lady by the name of Lucy. Lucy, we'd study the Bible with Lucy. We'd encourage her husband a Christian, her boys, both her sons, remember the body of Christ. Lucy, I got a phone call, uh, and somebody said, said Brother Acuff, uh, Lucy is in intensive care at the hospital. I go to the hospital, and uh, Lucy is uh, hardly uh, in a position to talk, but I had a prayer with her. She got out of the hospital in a few days, and the following Sunday morning, she came to the church building, and when we sang the song of encouragement, Lucy responded the invitation, was baptized into Christ. And she told the ladies as she went back to the baptistry, she said, I almost waited too late. Now, folks think, well, you know what? Well, I've got a brother, a sister, a mom, a dad, a, a, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, somebody. And, and Brother Acuff, if, 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 we could, if, if a miracle were performed, they'd, they'd see it. No, they wouldn't. You know why I know they wouldn't? Because inspiration says they wouldn't. If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one rose from the dead. The only thing tonight that will save a soul is the blood of Jesus that is revealed to us in the Word. And we ask you tonight to respond to the invitation of Jesus. Come unto me, all you that labor heavy laden. I will give you rest.
Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest under your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Will you come while together we stand and sing the invitation song?